right, here we go. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the midfield goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Deep strike. Got the big man. with a short drop. Now he pulls it out further to the left and he's going to strike downfield. Oh my! What a catch by Fitzgerald! He's, oh mercy! He's done it again! The man is remarkable! There is pandemonium in Piscataway! Whoa, he has trouble with the snap! And the ball is free! It's picked up by Michigan State! Jalen wants Jackson! And he scores! On the listening to the Noon on Saturday podcast, college football, as it was meant to be. These episodes are never as fun to fun to record, right, Steve? Oh, after losses? Coming after a loss. You know, last week, all fired up, ready to go. Big win against Clemson. Big week. Four and one. Big week for the whole pod when it comes to picks in general, and just it all comes crashing back down to earth. Ups yeah. and downs. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, such is the life of an on Saturday podcast. There's here's the thing. Here's the thing. You you can choose to dwell on the negatives, of which there were plenty on Saturday, or you could look at the positives. Pitt is still the favorite to win the Coastal. They're still sitting atop the Coastal. And all they have to do is beat Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, and Syracuse, and they're in there playing the Atlantic winner. So while the path may have gotten more difficult, the path's still there, still wide. Well, maybe not wide, but it's there. I mean, they still have, like, a very good chance to win the Coastal, so... Miami, I think we'll lose again. You're not, you're not taking the Narduzzi parlay of Miami winning out or the next four games, whatever it was that he said. I mean, we can get into this more uh, later on in the Homer hour, but I figured this was as fine a place of, as any to start this week's show. Yeah, well, there were some, there were some games all over the place last week. As there are, um, Pitt Pitt was included in that, unfortunately for Pitt fans. But uh, yes, Pitt was a game that happened last week. You're right about that. Oh, I'm talking about definitely somebody. can't dispute that. Okay, all right, guys. Dispute <laughs> a lot of other things about the weekend, and dispute a lot of things about that game in particular. But cannot dispute the fact that that game did indeed, in fact, happen, occur. Okay. Well, I mean. Still drama happened. Michigan State, come on. How about that? Yeah? What a fun game yeah, that I'm was. Tucker. How about it? Got to watch the end of it? Harbaugh's never going to do it at Michigan, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, to to, to Michigan standards, absolutely. He, and, and you saw that on Saturday. That is one you need to win. And he just can't do it. Little brother who? Yeah, I mean, the fact that to kind of what we were saying about Pitt, despite a pretty ugly loss there to, you know, a rival, the fact that there's still a game that if Harbaugh wins, everything else vanishes for him. It's a little bit of a positive Mr. Khakis can take away, I guess. Right. Absolutely. And, Ohio State didn't look to didn't look as world beater as we thought they were going to against uh against the Nittany Lions. That's that's what happens when that yeah, I mean that's when that's what happens when your offense has has been putting up numbers against defenses like Indiana's, like Maryland's, you know, defenses that haven't impressed many other people, um, except for yeah, um, and and then they go up against a defense like Penn State, um, and I thought uh, Clifford showed that he was healthier than he was the week prior, so that was an interesting game. They kept it closed for for a good part of that second half, and it was entertaining. And then, and then, staying in the Big Ten, like everybody thought, um, and like I called preseason, Minnesota sitting atop the Big Ten West. I mean, that's, that's not where I thought you were going. Did I not tell you all preseason that Minnesota was the best team in the Big Ten West? And throughout, the I season, mean, you did until you decided to switch up and you know go with Iowa for the first nine weeks of the season. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked you, you would go to Minnesota there after Iowa got thumped by <laughs> Well, No, no, no. Like that's what I'm just going to say is I'm not shocked he immediately tries Iowa to Iowa lost to last weekend? What I love <laughs> what I love is that I like I genuinely believe that Minnesota, you know, that's more important to you and your brain somehow that, that was more important. No. No, I have to own up to it. Iowa the the turnover streak has run out. Most things that what? I've said, most things that I've said, were wrong. It just you know it took till the end of October for that to dry up. But I will I will take blame. I will own up to if it. I, if I told you that a quarterback passed for a stat line of eleven for twenty two, a hundred and four yards and one touchdown. And their team won by twenty points. How would you react? And Mertz played well. I mean, he did what he did what they needed him to do. Throwing fifty percent for a hundred yards of a touchdown. Whatever. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Take you know, Steve, me and you, we went head to head on on both of those games, Michigan and Michigan State, and Iowa, Wisconsin, and you know, I did go two and zero there, but. In reality, the only you know the only right side there was Wisconsin. The Michigan Michigan State game was a coin flip. Who knows about that um, scoop and score that they overturned? You know, there was a lot of questionable questionable refereeing in the Michigan Michigan State game. But I mean, Wisconsin that was a, just a great pick by me and a horrible pick by you. So humble about it too. I respect that. Appreciate it. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, it seems like Wisconsin is turning a bit of a page. I wouldn't say that they they they're anywhere near 
where folks thought they would be preseason, but I think Mertz has settled in. Um, re- obviously reduced the turnovers. Um, and Spencer Petrus and the Hawkeyes cannot find the end zone at all. So goodbye, <laughs> Iowa. Hello. Just while we're while we're hello hello Ten. hello Minnesota. While we're talking Big Ten, what do we think about mm-hmm. Michigan State at number three? Fair or no? Thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. Yeah, I don't. I don't think their their the, the the ranking as a whole makes a ton of sense. So, are, are you going to get upset about it? I don't think. My, if like, I was a Cincinnati fan, I would be upset at that. Sure. Why? Because Michigan State has they have one good win. Like they beat Miami whenever Miami. How many, how many good wins does Cincinnati have? All right, Cincinnati has one good win, which is Notre Dame. If, if Michigan and Notre Dame played head to head this year, Michigan would win by two times. Here's the thing: if you're gonna knock, I'm fairly confident in that. If you're gonna knock Cincinnati for close games with Tulane and and Navy, Michigan State beat Rutgers by five. Okay, they beat Rutgers, Rutgers by five. They beat Nebraska Rutgers, by three. Indiana Rutgers, by five. Nebraska, Indiana, and Northwestern would all boat race Tulane and Navy. I, I, I just, I do. I think Michigan State should be ranked above Cincinnati. Yes, but do I think Cincinnati should be should be you know three spots behind them? No, like I, in my opinion, my ranking would be Ohio State number three, Michigan State. Four, Cincinnati five, and then I would put Oregon at six. I don't see how you can rationalize Oregon being two spots ahead of Cincinnati. Well, because they beat Ohio State head to head. Right. That's the rationale. You may not agree with that rationale. I you may look at it now and say that Ohio State's the better football team than Oregon, who I believe is still without CJ Verdell, who I think is out for the season. You know, the running back who single handedly played a very large part in that win at the horseshoe. But they still have the win, and the committee apparently is going to lean on the eye test and lean on head-to-head results. Strictly from just watching them play and who I think is the best team, you know, resumes aside, I think I would take any of the teams in the top eight. You know, of the teams in the top eight, I would put Oregon eighth in the head-to-head matchups. Like, I would, I would bet on all seven of those teams against Oregon in, in a single game. Which I mean, sure, let's rank them at four, but I that's just that's just the take I want to get out there. That I I think Oregon, you know, which I don't think it's a hot take, but Oregon I think will lose again at some point anyway, and and it yeah. won't matter. No, I, I I do agree with that. I mean, and I agree with what you're saying in terms of who the best actual teams are. Um, but I do like, you know, of the very little that I like what the committee does and how the playoff overall is structured. I do like that they gave the inc- they gave you know the advantage to the team that had won. They gave the advantage to the team that went on the road and beat Ohio State. Because if you're not going to give the advantage to a team like Cincinnati that went on the road and beat another top ten team in Notre Dame, at least it's going to show up somewhere, right? The the other the my only other takeaway from those rankings was. I, I'm stunned that Oklahoma. I mean, I like I like like you said. I guess they're looking at how Oklahoma has won games, but to have Oklahoma at nine, I like right. I, I or at eight, I just don't understand that. I love it though. It's I don't great. agree with right. that at all. So and and it doesn't make sense when you apply that line of thinking to Oregon too. 
so o- so Oklahoma is nine and zero. Right. I'm saying if if, if if you're no. saying that Oklahoma's yeah. wins are not as impressive or 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 that they're not by a certain amount, and 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 you're going to penalize that them by ranking them eighth, then. Oregon should be held to the same standard, and not just because they beat Ohio State should they be play, placed in fourth. I mean, Ohio State has done more um, um, throughout their schedule than than Oregon has, and that's where I I, I agree with you. Um, it's so puzzling why why, why they're ranked fourth. If compared me, to all me, those other teams, it's it's not. I mean, I wouldn't agree. I I might take Oregon over Cincinnati, but if if I'm nitpicking arguments, but Overall, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. I do hate to get back into the hypotheticals now that we have some actual stuff on paper to discuss. But if the committee had come out and put Cincinnati at four, Oregon at five, Ohio State at six, and then, you know, Michigan, Oklahoma, whatever it was from there on, would you be as upset about Oregon's spot? Or is it just because they're actually in that top four? That this is all about at the end of the day. That I think we're seeing some of the, you know, why is Oregon there? Yeah, I guess the the arbitrary number of being fourth probably has something to do with it. But at, at the end of the day, for me, it's just I don't see how you can put Oregon with a loss ahead of a, ahead of a team like Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma's nine zero. I know they don't have a marquee win like Oregon does, but at the end of the day, if Oklahoma wins out, they will be ahead of Oregon if Oregon wins out, right? I mean, they should be. Who knows? Who knows? So why I, why do this whole like judging resumes that that hard when it's like okay, Oklahoma is undefeated. If they are undefeated at the end of the season, they're they're going to be in the top four. So why are they not in the top? You know, at least five or six right now. Are they? Are they going to be in the top four if they went out? Why I I just I feel like all the is Cincinnati going to be in the top four if they went out if they're at you know nine and six respectively? I feel like that's kind of a a shot across the bow from the committee saying like, look, you guys just don't have the wins that we want to see right now. And then as soon as Oklahoma beats, you know, assuming Oklahoma beats Baylor, and then they beat Iowa State, which isn't as impressive as it was at the beginning of the season. And then they beat Oklahoma State. They're probably going to slide in there at number four. So I just don't I, – I feel like the committee is just doing a little bit too much of grandstanding of like, oh, you got to play, play these teams or we'll rank you. Like it's not Oklahoma's fault that Nebraska sucks. Like if Nebraska was good this year, that would be a great non-conference game. So I, I don't know. I I think at the end of the day, if Oklahoma beats Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, and then they win the Big 12 title, there's no doubt in my mind that they will be in the playoff. Right? Is that is that? There, there, yeah. there, I mean, I think it. we can get into the hypotheticals we were doing a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, for Cincinnati. But I do think that there are scenarios now where Oklahoma doesn't get into the playoff after winning out. See, I, I, I they mostly involve around, you know, Baylor losing somewhere else, Oklahoma State losing somewhere else, and those teams dropping and demeaning those quality wins for the Sooners. But um, no matter who they Alabama play beating 12, Georgia, whoever it is in the Big Twelve title game, it'll be someone that's you know at least has is a little bit hot, at least has like a ten and two resume, nine and three resume. No matter who it is, so that's going to be four straight like quality wins to, to close out the season, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, and 
I yeah, I don't I don't think I don't know if there's an agenda behind it seems like there's an agenda behind this list because again, it, it just does not make a ton of, a ton of sense when you look at you know, set records aside, if you look at how each team plays, you know, you'd have questions about Michigan State still. You'd have questions about Oregon. Um and 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 lesser so about about Oklahoma. I, I don't know. It it, it does it, it would be one thing if, if, if the pattern was consistent, but it's not. So I think that's where people have a lot, have issues. I think the thing with Michigan State is they feel far more likely to lose in the near future just because they play Ohio State. They play, you know, good defense. We talked about already in Penn State. They have to, you know, probably play uh, uh, a very um, – What's the right word? Motivated Minnesota team, you know, in the in the Big Ten championship, potentially down the road, even if they do get through those other two games we just mentioned, they seem like a team that is primed to lose that, you know, clean sheet just because of their schedule, whereas Oklahoma is set to gain the most because of the schedule and because, you know, those are winnable games. But, hey, we could be talking about this in three weeks from now and Baylor beats Oklahoma. Like that would not surprise me at all. Yeah. I, and, I feel and like what do you do with a one loss Baylor team, Baylor team that's potentially coming out of the big 12. What, what you mentioned Steve about like just the method to like the madness of the rankings, I think is accurate to just them being confusing. Like that method is the, just, yeah. the, the, me- the method is time. inconsistent. Like there's a conventional way that all the writers sort of go by and it's you know it makes sense like you know an undefeated oklahoma should be above oregon you know handily and in the ap poll oklahoma's four and oregon seven i feel like that you know the 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 playoff committee i feel like just they got a little bit contrarian for no reason because they can because they have the ultimate power and because they don't really owe that much to anybody because we're all going to be in every tuesday night we're all going to be out here for the next week debating it regardless and you know they're designed to sell yeah. media. It's a great little sell. marketing. It's a great little marketing thing to do this show every week. Now imagine how hashtag much, content, baby. It would be even more intriguing if there was, say, you know, eight teams who made the playoffs. Like right. instead right. of Six, ten fan bases, you'd have twenty-four. So right, yeah. And I think I think secretly, this is my this is my theory is that there's an agenda. The, the playoff committee has an agenda to expand the playoff. Otherwise, I do. I like this theory. Otherwise, Cincinnati would be a lot closer to the top. Um, I think I think they're purposely giving the shaft to, to, to the group of five just just to kind of force it on on the conferences to uh, begin to consider um, a 12 an eight or 12 team playoff a lot sooner than than, than they actually are, because. I think people have every right to be upset with this. And I think a lot of these questions, while, you know, if you expand it, you know, to 12 teams, then you're going to argue over BYU, A&M, Baylor, um, Mississippi State, Auburn, which at the end of the day, I think Minnesota, it's it's it may not be like significantly easier, but you can still, you know, you're, you're fighting for the 12th spot. If you. You, if you pick up losses, that's on you. If if you're a one loss or an undefeated team and you're getting excluded for the playoff, 
from the playoff, that's, you know, that's where people have issues. And I think they're kind of, I don't know, that's my theory that they're trying to, trying to facilitate or, or be the catalyst for, for an eight to 12 team or an, ex, you know, an expanded playoff. Big brain I idea. I like it. Thank you. I do love that theory. It's just it, it it fits the whole scenario so well, where it's just you know this group trying to pass the buck off so that they don't get criticized as much by getting criticized. Basically, if if it's, I love if, it. I if love Cincinnati it. never sniffs the four the top four, then I think it'll be abundantly clear. They're not going to from from the way it's set up. Well, uh, hey, we're one weekend. We'll know more after next week. That being said, doesn't like doesn't look like many teams in the top ten are going to lose this week, which you never know. But no, but yeah, I mean, hey, any any given Saturday as who, does, goes. who, who does Notre Dame play? Notre Dame yeah. has Navy, so that's looking like a win. The only team in the top ten that I think could I conceivably maybe gave. Navy lost as much to Cincinnati as Notre Dame did, didn't they? Navy is Na- Notre Dame's going to slap Navy around. That's a twenty-one. Just, that's a twenty-one point spread. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, if you, if you look at the transitive property, which Navy which, lost which to Cincinnati, never fails. by less than by less than Notre Dame did. The transitive. I'll just have to make that one of my week. picks. Maybe I'll just have to make that one of my picks. Who knows? Notre Dame has been playing well. They got a good win last week. They they're very strong up front. I Notre, Navy's offense is terrible. Yeah. Really, they're they're not very good. The only really. top ten team I think that could conceivably lose is Wake Forest, which they're underdogs. So yeah, Oregon. I think that's a perfect place to start, right? Oregon's a good call, Steve. But I think you know they're touchdown favorite. But that, uh, Oregon is a great call. Washington was not good. They're not good. Not good offensively, but they're they're solid defensively, which I think Anthony Brown is going to have some troubles. So let's get into it. Uh, interesting week this week. Obviously, last week we had some really heavy matchups. We had a couple top tens. Um, this week, there's not as much flash when it comes to the slate, but I think there's some sneaky good games. Tennessee, Kentucky is one that jumps out to me in the SEC. Of course, Auburn A and M is a top fifteen matchup. Uh, those Texas Iowa State ones. Texas Iowa State. Texas really trying to avoid, you know, a fourth loss. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Wake Forest as a two and a half point dog on the road to a four and four North Carolina team. Gentlemen, week ten in college football here. I don't think we ever really did uh, an official intro on this week's episode of the Noon on Saturday podcast, but fuck it. Who needs it? Uh, where do we want to start with this week's slate? Start us I, off, Steve. This is uh, – I don't have a pick here, and I kind of wanted to see your, your guys' thoughts. Do we want to apply the – I guess we can term it the Gruden theory this week? Who can that be applied to? Baylor and TCU. Baylor, TCU, yeah. Mm. As a whole, because we did it against Washington State with Washington State, and and we had success. Are we? Do we think that a motivated team 
in in honor of former head coach Gary Patterson are going to show out at home against Baylor. Do I don't want to apply the theory. Listen, I did not even consider that Patterson is coaching the team, correct? No. No, he, he, he stepped down. He he did not allow himself to be or drawn. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, now now I'm kind of and the spread only being six and a half makes right. me think TCU. That's for sure. Yeah, TCU's admin pretty much disrespected Patterson. He said instead of at the end of the year, he's like, "Well, I'm just not going to accept that. I'm just going to leave now." Like I don't. This could be a taking spirited. a little bit of an aside here. Taking a little bit of an aside here. The LSU I get. But if you're TCU, is there really a benefit to asking Patterson to accept his firing and coach out the year instead of just, I don't know, sitting on your hands for four more weeks and right. actually firing him at the end of the season? Like, I get they probably wanted, I mean, it get back to what we were talking about with Matt Wells and Texas Tech. Like, they wanted him gone. They weren't going to wait, sit around and, you know, give him the opportunity to earn his job back. But, like, What's the benefit in turning the keys over to Jerry Kill now? I, yeah, I 100% agree. I guess the only thought process is that they can get out there in, in the market and, you know, start getting names ready, you know, make contacts, I guess. You know, you want, the, you want people to know that the job is open, I guess. Right? Sure. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I was actually listening to – um, Matt Brown, formerly of SB Nation, who now writes the uh, Extra Points newsletter, has a podcast going for two. He did one with um, Kyle Bowlesby, actually. The, I believe he's the son of the Big 12 commissioner who runs like a small search firm for like non-football and basketball jobs in college athletics. Really interesting podcast. I'll send it to you guys later. Um, but like these jobs you know they're open if you're in the industry. Like, I don't think people who are interested, assistants who are interested in the TCU coaching job, I feel like there's rumblings. I mean, some of them came from this podcast, you know, however long ago was with me telling you that Gary Patterson might be in a little bit of trouble if he can't make bowl eligibility. You know, tried to tell you, whatever. Don't listen to me. That's fine. Um, but these discussions are... You know, not out of the blue. I think people around the job know what's know what's going on to a certain extent. I think the I think one way to look at it is you know the way you're looking at it, which I agree with, where, where it's like why wouldn't TCU just wait till the end of the year? But I I think the other on the other side of the coin, which I know I why wouldn't Gary Patterson just agree to be to coach the right? You know, you've been coaching there for because it's embarrassing. Uh, they have a statue of you on the campus. And they're gonna fire you, but ask to stick around. Well, like, he has, no. you know, he hasn't gotten the job done. If I was him, you know, that's the job of your career. You're gonna be known as the guy that built up TCU. You know, he's not gonna go on and, and get another big job. I would, I mean, I wouldn't fucking hire him. That's for sure. If I was a, if I was a Power Five team and I'm hiring six year old Gary Patterson, I'd be pissed. So, like, this is this was the mon, you know, the you know, the seminal moment of his career. If I'm him, I I think I coach, you know. Whatever, it didn't work out. They're not going to continue with you, but I could see him being pissed that they can't just let him, you know, coach as the, you know, the non-fired, non-lame duck coach. 
but just coach your team. It'll be your last year. Retire and go live on your millions of dollars. Like, I don't know. I, I think when you do build a program to that, I mean, I'll, I'll say stature, but he did pull them from, from the group of five into the into a power five and did contend in the Big 12. for a, He won a, a Rose Bowl at TCU. Right. Who does that? Right. Nobody. So I think he, he – earned and deserved a, a certain amount of respect and, and to approach a midseason, I think is disrespectful and it's enough. So where to where if you are Gary Patterson and you feel that that move is a, a, a low blow, then you, I think you feel that you've been slighted and, and you're done. Yeah, yeah. I can't blame him. You're, you know, you're right. I, if I, if it was me, you know, I'd probably do the same thing, but, I just feel like you know he's sixty one years old. He's I can like I can understand. Old. I understand. You know I don't want to. I don't want you to feel ganged up on here or anything. Like I I can understand the idea of like maybe hey you know let me coach this out try to prove him wrong at least go out on a little bit of a high. But like he's got to be feel so spited there. Yeah, I mean that he. If I was him, I definitely would have wanted a little bit, you know, more respect after I like. They there's literally a statue of him on that. I how do you fire that? He's been at TCU since 1998, so that's you know that's pretty crazy. Are we going to apply the theory? Thank you for bringing it. Full I story. would say after that discussion, absolutely. Like the team, the team probably liked Gary Patterson, but it, it's probably, probably one of those them. things. It's probably one of those probably things like where Gary Kill too. We're gonna win it for Coach. We love we love Coach Patterson. We love Coach Kill. You know, we're not. This program isn't a failure. We have yes. talent here. We're gonna come you know, out. Hey, we could get together. into we could get into how that affects Oklahoma because then Baylor isn't as much quality win down. Hey, everything really. everything's a butterfly. I'm in, I'm in, but I'm willing to add TCU plus six and a half to my card one hundred percent. I did not. I didn't go into it. Yeah, well, okay. Party pooper. I'm in. I'm, TCU. I'm on, I'm on Team Aranda. TCU plus six and a half. Gruden theory applied. All right. I, Are we staying in the Big 12? I feel like we always start in the I don't think I have anything in particular with. Yeah, I have nothing else in the Big 12. Texas, Iowa State scares the hell out of me. Yep. I really have no feel at all on Texas, and I haven't you know, for weeks. And Iowa State, you would think they're in a bounce-back spot. That's why it's minus 6.5, but definitely do not have a pick there. And then West Virginia-Oklahoma State is a sneaky, great game. But, I mean, are we really going to rely on West Virginia to cover 3.5, you know, based off of that performance they had last week, which was a good performance, but I still would want more than three and a half points against Oklahoma State. The key to that game and, and something to, to, to watch is West Virginia's defensive, uh, their, their front seven against, against Oklahoma State's offensive line. Um, OSU has obviously had, had some success on the ground uh, and I think if West Virginia has any shot against Oklahoma State, they're going to need to to control the lining scrimmage defensively. Um, I feel like WU has has been pretty bipolar on offense 
enough so that I I I don't know if I want to take a side um in this one. So Yeah, I, I agree. Like three I and a half I points take is, a side. is fair and I think that's a nice a nice game to watch and be interested in and but but no, I, I don't want anything to do with that one. Where are we heading? I've got one in the Big Twelve actually. Oh just to uh, it's got no, um, it's going to come with no explanation. Okay. It's going to come with no merit. It's okay. going to come with, uh, absolutely no reason whatsoever. All right. But it's Can't coming with quite the introduction. Let's hear it. Kansas plus 24. Oh, can't oh no. You can't slight. I thought you quit the Kansas train. Kansas plus 24. Weren't you betting on Kansas and didn't you seek help for that? You can't slight Skyler. I, I, like I said there's going to be no reasoning. There's going to be no methodology. All right. Kansas plus 24. All right. I hate myself for it. I'll put well, that out there. I'm, a lot of points. Hey, after, after you, hit, you go against my Wildcats and then you're, you're also not on the, the Gruden theory. I'm playing. I'm playing heel I'm this. Not happy. Week. I'm not happy. I'm gonna lean into it now. I'm playing full heel. Okay, fine. Betting against you worked out last week for Mange. Why not this week, huh? He got lucky. Why not me? He got SEC? lucky. Should we move sure. the SEC? It means more. Sure. It just means more. Let's rock. Um, I'm taking Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, to pick them. I I think they have the better quarterback. I think they have better weapons, um, and their offense has just been a lot more consistent. You know, Kentucky at home—that's you know, good old Kroger Field. That's a tough environment. Um, but Kentucky, you know, they're really they're really sliding, and I didn't think they were that good to begin with. So I think Texas, you know, or Tennessee goes in and gets a good road win. I'm going to take them in the pick them. I like that. Yeah, I was looking at that. I don't know if I'm gonna muster it up. I, uh, a, a week off. It, it was a close game against Bama up until the the fourth quarter. Um, give him a week off. Give Hennon Hooker to heal up. Um, really, from that Ole Miss game. I don't hate the pen at all. There, there is- It should be some weather. Really, don't think Kentucky is going to be able to score all that often on Tennessee. And I, you know, I, I like Tennessee. I'm not saying under, but fifty-six and a half is a lot of points. I think I think Tennessee's defense is is finding their footing a little bit. They've been up and down all season, but I like how they've been playing of, of late. And I, yeah, I agree with that. I like that pick. Thank you. I'm also going to be in the SEC. Um, a bit like your your Kansas pick, I'm going to take Auburn plus four and a half. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously, obviously, 
Calzada went up against uh, Bama and, and put up points. I do believe that was a bit of an anomaly. And, and they go up against Missouri, who, who really hasn't had that great of a de- defense. And obviously, South Carolina, they put up 35 and 44, respectively. But I don't think uh, A&M has run into quite a defense since Bama as Auburn's. And I like how, I really like how they played last week. And, and I'm liking Bo Nix more and more uh, as the season goes on. Tank's big, Tank Bigsby really played well last week. Um, and I think Auburn's riding some momentum here. And I think while they may not win at Kyle Field, I think it's enough to keep it close. So I'm going to take Auburn plus four and a half. I like that. I do like that. I I mean, I think I pointed to it a little bit uh, at the beginning. I think that's going to be one of the better games this weekend. I don't hate a little bit of a toss-up there. Auburn on the road. Credit to you, Manch, in that Ole Miss-Auburn head-to-head we had. Yeah, Bo Nix. I mean, Bo Nix is Bo Nix looks great. He's doing the damn thing this year. My only concern with that pick there, Steve, is how good we've seen Texas A&M been at. Like, they've been outrageous at home. So, it's going to be a great environment. I mean, you know, we we saw how good Calzada played last time they were at home. Yeah, the yeah. Speaking of speaking of Mizzou, guess how many times Georgia has scored. 38 points, which is the spread. Probably not often. Maybe once. Three times, actually. I was a little surprised by that. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were going the other way with that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because I, I thought it would only be once or twice, but they scored 56 on UAB, 40 on South Carolina, and 62 on Vanderbilt, and then 37 on the nose against Arkansas. Speaking of Arkansas, they have hurt me many times this year. But they will not hurt me this week. Minus five at home. Mississippi State is very overvalued because of that win um, over uh, Texas A&M earlier in the year. And then the win over Alabama. Will Rogers is clicking a little bit in that offense. But I really do like Sam Pittman's defense and Arkansas to throw them off their game a little bit. Uh, And, you know, KJ's been a little banged up, I think, earlier in the year. Arkansas. I think they're coming off a bye last week. I think they've had a little bit of a chance to catch their breath. Um, they're another team that's been, yeah, they're another team that's been sliding a little bit, and I think is going to take the opportunity at home to bounce back in conference play. I've got the Hogs over the Pirates. Womp. So November Bobek is secretly just September Bobek. Yes, a month older. Interesting. Yeah, we, we really don't learn anything month. So not only is Arkansas coming off of a bye, but their game before that was against Arkansas Pine Bluff. So yeah. really, we haven't seen we have not seen anything of note from Arkansas since their loss to Auburn. I, I honestly ago. I couldn't remember if they had played Pine Bluff week or last. So thank that you seems that like effect. that seems like ancient history that Auburn Arkansas game. Yeah. So that I, I don't have a pick in that game simply because I don't know what Arkansas is going to look like. And that Auburn game definitely left a sour taste in my mouth. But looking at their schedule as a whole, you would think that, you know, they should be able to cover that spread against Mississippi State. Yeah. I, yeah, that's, that's, that's another that, – that game could go 
different couple, different couple different directions. There we are. There it is. Um, yeah, the old I'm pirate. Thinking, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Georgia minus thirty six too, because oh, Mizzou well. is bad. They're really You're just they're loving really the bad. ACC this week. They're, Mizzou is so bad. They are. They're 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 bad, man. They're bad. Don't really have anything else to say besides they're bad. Are you adding you it to the card? I'll agree with you one more no. time. Just saying they're bad. Mizzou is bad. No, I agree. Glad we're on the same page there. Okay. Um, elsewhere. <laughs> is that the SEC settled? I don't yep. have anything else. I'm willing yeah, to go ACC. Tennessee. All right. Let's Fr- Friday. Friday night lights. Against the Boston College Eagles. Um, yeah. You have a pick. Yes. And I'm going to take the Hokies. Minus four. All right. Minus three. Minus four. Minus, minus three. three. I have, I have three. three. Uh, you know, I, I, I think we saw last week against Georgia Tech. Um, Virginia Tech's defense start to start to get um, back back into shape. I I am you know I I have no idea where Boston College kind of went. Um, they they were decent. Obviously, they beat Missouri, and we just I think Bobek. How how good is Missouri? I'm gonna go with they're not very good. Right. So that's I Try that's the best sets. that's the best win on the. Year Virginia Tech has come close with solid teams a couple times. I the, I think the Syracuse loss was inexplicable and it was bad management on Fuente. Um, maybe a pit hangover, you know, Pitt really took it to him. Anyways, I like the Hokies here. I think minus minus three is the right number. I think they'll be able to do it up in uh, up in Chestnut Hill. I I don't think Boston College will be able to move. The, the ball much on on the Hokies defense, so I'm banking on the defense, hoping the offense follow follows suit. I'm going to take the Hokies minus three. My only concern there is that the last time we saw Virginia's Virginia Tech's run defense really tested hasn't worked out too well for them in both that pit game and the Syracuse game. Boston College likes to run the football. However, Boston College is also 0-4 in the ACC and not a great football team without their starting quarterback. I think Zay Flowers has been out too, so don't hate to pick. Yeah, I think Fuente kind of lost it there for a bit in October, but he's he's coaching for his career right now. By the way, hey, there's, a, there's an interesting option. Fuente was OC at TCU. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I think every Virginia Tech fan would love for that to happen. Right, but Sonny Dykes is on the line. I, Sonny Dykes can get a better job than TCU. Anyways, anybody else Tech have anything? Anybody want to touch Wake Forest, North Carolina? UNC two and a half point favorites at home. Nah, I lean Wake in that game, but it's not on my card. I uh, I don't really have a pick in the ACC. I wanted to take uh, Georgia Tech plus 10, but I'm not going to do it. I've lost betting Georgia Tech before, and I wanted to take Florida State plus 2.5, but... We didn't know. address that, did we? It's a little the, Florida State push. You know, what, if I'm, you know what? Yeah, I will take it. I'm just going to take Florida State money line. 
they pushed for me last week against Clemson, but I think they I think they can beat NC State at home. NC State is not as good as their six and two record, um, a, a, as I think they should with their loss to Miami. And they beat a Louisville team who's not very good last week. I, I think they're going to lose to Florida State at home, and I like the value getting you know plus money with Florida State. Um, their quarterback play has been a lot better, um, you know, since they st- have stuck with Travis. So, yeah, Florida State. How how thankful are you that we taped last week's episode earlier in the week, so you had Florida State at ten and not nine and a half? Yeah, that would you know I Just wasn't even people. really. I wasn't even sweating it because, you know, you have to consider that that may happen, but I really wasn't even sweating it because I was like, whatever, if it does happen, it'll be a push. So I can live with a push. You always can live with a push. Um, push. But if I had, you know, if you have nine and a half, that, that would. I didn't realize in yeah. the moment, I didn't realize that was a double beat. That beat the over as well. Or I guess wow. beat the under technically. Hit the over. Yeah, that's a really, really bad beat, and you know that's why you gotta. It, you know, that's why you gotta take college football gambling as a whole. It's a long season. You just want to grind it out, get your good wins while you can, because you know nothing's easy. And, and my Miami was the right side, or not Miami? I'm sorry, Florida State was the right side the entire game. Had a chance to win the game, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brutal, brutal beat. If you had nine and a half. Um, back to Wake, North Carolina for a second. Uh, I'm considering Wake minus two and a half, similarly to the way I'm considering uh, Georgia spread. However, I do have a pick in this game, and it is going to be the Bover of the week, 76 and a half. Both of these teams love to score. Offense is burning it up on both sides. Uh, we, I think we did have a first half Bover hit last week in probably my best bet of the year in BYU, Virginia. I don't think it's going to be exactly the same toward pace of points this week, but I do love over 76 and a half North Carolina Wake Forest. Little little noon ACC action. Gotta love, you know, if you're going to play a side in that over-under, over is the only side you can play, you know, even Absolutely. though it's that high. It's not even that high. I mean, I, I was expecting. I was, I was expecting. Pretty high. Not. I, I think if you look at the team's record, it's not that high. I was expecting eighty-one or something. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the winner of that game scoring like forty-five. Yeah, Wake Wake hasn't scored under 37, 35 this season. Anything else in the ACC? I my only my only pick there was Florida State. I am finished. <laughs> Not totally. I have some. Uh, I have some Pac-12 business to attend to. Pac-12. Okay. I have. Uh, I have one in the Big Ten. We want to stop there real quick. Do it. I actually think I might have two in the Big Ten, but my one for sure Thanks that I'm taking geographically. It's the reverse of what I've been saying all year, and I'm taking the Iowa Hawkeyes minus 12 against Northwestern. Northwestern is, I think, one of the worst teams in the Power Five, in my opinion. You know, Watching them on offense is not pretty at all. Their last four games, 
you know, they, they haven't eclipsed 21 points in their last four games. They've scored seven twice. Um, and, I, and I think Iowa is due, due for that, you know, bounce back game where they play well after getting embarrassed against the Wisconsin team that kind of manhandled them. I think they're going to turn around and manhandle Northwestern a little bit, beat them by two touchdowns, if not more. Can you veto picks? Is that an ability? You're saying I can't take Iowa? Am I not allowed to take them? Is that what you're trying to say here? Maybe. Because I will take them every every week for the rest of the season if I have to. I can take Iowa. They're over they're they're overrated and like you're an idiot for thinking they were gonna win <laughs> the Big Ten West. But I still think they're gonna flatten Northwestern this weekend. I was just asking a question. You know, there's no reason to bring my competency into this. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I can take Iowa. That's all I know. All right, I do can. it. I hey, can. Guess what? I get. I hope you get burnt. I can, and I will. That'd be kind of funny, honestly. One week you take Iowa, and kind of. Yeah, know, watch them lose the Northwestern. This would be a, if Northwestern the last three weeks. Northwestern could win this one, shock everyone, and they could make a bowl if they win this game. So that's the. I'm using your, your. They need this one for a bowl method. Uh. Bobek, so <laughs> that could be motivational for Northwestern. If uh, if I hadn't picked Kansas already, I might pick Rutgers plus thirteen, home versus Wisconsin. But I think I don't think I can put my name next to both of those teams in the same week. You're my mental sanity. Yeah, you just love you love the slop. You love betting the sunge, the, the dirty mentality, baby. My other one in the Big Ten. Go ahead. I was going to say Penn State, Maryland. It's another one. Um, Yeah, that's another just terrible game. The only other game in the Big Ten that actually, like, kind of intrigued me was Michigan State Purdue simply because that line is, like, stunning. It's so small. That line, Michigan State being the number three team in the country and only laying a field goal to Purdue. Just tells you everything you need to know about Michigan State. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't know how you could lay money on Purdue, in in this spot. I'm staying away. I thought about Michigan State, but it almost feels like a trap to me. So I'm gonna stick with just my one pick in the Big Ten. But it seems obvious that Michigan State should be the pick there. If yeah. if, if you want to do the transitive property. The oh, the ending to you know to, how much to, I love the transitive property. Right, the ending to the the Purdue Nebraska game was not the the score is not really how how it how it seemed. Purdue at the end kind of pulled away and, and dominated at the end of the game, um, and that was at Nebraska. Letdown spot. Now I I agree. I think Vegas seems as if they're accounting for the letdown spot. Um, but that is, that is a game to watch. That is a game to watch. The Boilermakers have spoiled, have played spoiler at home already once this year. Um, and, and they look to be solid. I'll say solid. So they might, and, and, and they're capable of giving Michigan state, um, everything that they can handle. So that, that'll be an interesting game to, to peek at. Vegas is doing 
a very good job of making that line as intriguing as it can be with an 8-0 third-ranked Michigan State at Purdue. They, they, want, they want money on the Spartans. I think they're going to get it. 86% of bets from what I'm seeing right now as of the taping of this podcast on Michigan State minus three. So Vegas wants money on the Spartans. As you say, Steve, they're getting it for sure. I think they're going to continue to get it until kickoff at 3.30. That's very curious. They know. They're ready for a letdown, I guess. They're gearing up for it. Uh, You want to head out west? I know you said you had something else, Steve. I've got nothing else in the Big Ten. Illinois, Minnesota Um, should be a thriller, though. I like how, just one more thing on the Big Ten. I like how at this point in the season, every game in that conference is either basically a playing game or an absolute stinker. There's basically no in-between. Yeah, but either Wisconsin, Rutgers, or, you know, Michigan, Ohio State. Right. I mean, so, so such such is conference life. Um, uh, I'm going to go against what I said earlier, and I'm I'm going to take Oregon minus seven. Yep, saw that coming. I'm going to take Oregon minus seven. Here's the thing. Washington's defense is, is 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 good, but so is Oregon's. And at the end of the day, the the bare bones of Oregon's offense is a lot better than Washington's. And I think I I think after the past couple of weeks that Oregon has had, they they've been playing with the exception of Colorado. I think they've been 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 improving. I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to go on this train again, and if they lose to Washington, we can label it a curse, but I'm going to take Oregon minus seven. Because the last time I took Oregon was when they lost to Stanford. So that being said, I just Dylan, Dylan Morris perplexes me as, as a quarterback. I love Washington as a program. They're my favorite Pac-12 school. But I have to go against them. I, I think Oregon gets it done. In Seattle. On ABC. I'm Washington? Washington's your favorite Pac-12 school? Yeah, the campus is beautiful. Is it just because their stadium's like by water? It's a great um, That's certainly Black part of it. Airlines field. That's certainly part of it. Uh, the I like the colorway. I love the purple and gold. Like I said, campus is beautiful. Great academics. I think Colorado might be my favorite school in the Pac-12. I know why. <laughs> but I'm why? not going to say No, I'm not, not going to say it on here. I don't, I don't understand. I know why. Very, that's, that's a very weird thing to say. But um, Let's go Buffs. Didn't you say you had two picks in the Pac-12? No, I lied. I actually had one in the American that I forgot about. Let's nice. hear it, Skippy. <laughs> East. 
Carolina versus Temple. I think they're minus 16. Temple's bad. Temple's really I, bad. I, I don't think ECU gets the credit that they should. They're a solid team. Um, I love Holton Nailers. Won a national championship with them on NCAA 14. Um, <laughs> and oh, I'm, I'm running. I'm running. Have you won with Washington right now, in the back. Uh, have you so, won with Washington? Minus 16. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off a, a, a solid win, thoroughly putting it to um, um, USF. If you look on the past two, they lost a close one in overtime with, with Houston, who appears to be good themselves. I don't think East Carolina is getting uh, enough credit. Temple is a very bad football team, and I don't think 16 points uh, is, is truly fair for the Owls away from home at East Carolina. Give me the Pirates. That's a stinker of a game. I have no idea. Temple is so bad. The Temple. American is just yucky this year. Old Nailers is a stud. The American is going to be fairly yucky for a couple of years to come. Not as bad as CUSA is going to be, but they're, they're losing some quality. That, so that exhausts my picks. I don't know if people have, have business elsewhere. Um, I'm going to throw it back to Pac-12 for a second here. Sorry about that. Uh, USC plus eight and a half. Arizona State got whipped by Wazoo. Um, they're so confusing because they should be arguably one of the most talented teams in that conference. But they just don't perform. They have a really great offense. Their running backs are great. Jaden Daniels, I feel like we've talked about him on the pod. But I'm just going to take the points with USC on the road. I don't know. I don't think Arizona State's that good. And I think last week uh, against Washington State kind of proved that a little bit. I'll take the more than a touchdown spread. Anything on UTSA, UTEP? Eight and over six and two. I was upset Sun that Bowl. they didn't go to that one. Well, I think I think it hurt that um, FAU beat UTEP pretty handily last week. I think if it was eight and zero versus seven and one, it might be a little more enticing. Right. I don't understand why they picked this week to go to Cincinnati because I don't think uh, who is it Tulsa this week going into mm-hmm. going into Nippert. I don't think that's you know, that enticing of a matchup, but like, whatever. I just don't think game day knows what they're doing this year, which is fine. I, I just don't think there's that many enticing matchups this week. Are they going to go down to College Station for Auburn, Texas A&M? <laughs> nope. How about Houston? Do you see the ending of that Houston SMU game? No, I did not. Uh, SMU came back to tie it with, I think, like 17 seconds left. And oh, then yeah. kicked it off to one of the best return men in the country for Houston. I game, but he uh, walked it off by taking it to the house. Yeah, I need he's to like one that. away from... He's like right up there with Quadri Henderson, 
but he's like one away from breaking the NCA single season, some sort of record. Anyways, SMU just shouldn't have kicked it. Um, Dana Holgerson, seven and one. It's college football. It's college Cooking. football, baby. Cooking. All right. SMU Memphis, by the way, this week. That should be a good game. Take the over there. That's not a pick, but. All right. Anything else to get to before we uh, head back to our little squat of misery? Um, I got all my picks off. So to the Homer Hour, it is. And gentlemen, I think as we started off here on this week 10 episode of the noon on Saturday podcast. Obviously not as fun to come to this segment this week compared to last week and a couple of weeks before that. But Pitt disappoints at home against Miami. We had kind of, I think we addressed this on the actual podcast, but you know, this was one of the real games where it was circled in terms of scariness. Obviously Miami has a very good record against Pitt, especially at Pitt the last few years. Tyler Van Dyke was really hitting his stride, and that showed pretty much instantly. I mean, Pitt was just letting up bulk plays pretty much every other chance Miami got, just marching it up and down the field. Pitt's offense wasn't as deadly as they have been. Your instant reactions and takeaways from this game, from this letdown, besides, hey, the ACC championship is still there to be because we've covered that. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of Pitt fans were very were very nervous about, you know, that game last week. Miami was a team that was sort of surging the last 3 or 4 games. They were peaking at the right time. They have the they had the type of offense and accurate quarterback and run game that has given Pat Narduzzi defenses a lot of problems and you know, it's hard. It's hard to uh, think about the defensive performance in the first half and the missed tackling and the missed assignments. And at the end of the day, Pitt really wasn't able to overcome those mistakes in the first half. The offense went a little bit cold in the fourth quarter, and you know, if you go cold, if you go cold in a whole quarter after being down fourteen points at half, you're really not going to win many games. So. It's just a really tough loss for Pitt fans and kind of takes a little bit of the air out of the balloon, but there's still a lot to look forward to. And it's, it doesn't make it any, you know, easier of a pill to swallow though. It's very hard. Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's a lot, there was a lot you could, you could kind of point to officiating aside. Um, you know, th- there were some questionable play calls down on the goal line from from Whip. You know, things that that fans had complained about in the past. Um, we kind of we kind of got a glimpse uh, of on the goal line. I think the the Billy special did not work nearly cool. as as close to as intended. Um, yeah. And Van Dyke had had a fantastic day. Um, you know, I think if you want to find uh, many positives, the defense adjusted really well in the second half. Um, 
And I think, you know, statistically, good Lord. Kenny Pickett came back down to earth a tad. You know, he still had over 500. Did he have over 500 yards? Yeah. At least 400. Right. He was up there. Two picks, though, and, and one was crucial. Um, I mean, they both, both were crucial. crucial. Both both were crucial. Um, but, you know, that happens in, in, in any given season. It's it's hard to play perfect, I think. Uh, yeah, it, it was really just a perfect storm uh, for, for Pitt to come out with a loss. But there's there's still a lot to be played for. Um, and we'll see how the team comes out against Duke, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Pitt fan, at, at the end of the day, the the playoff hopes were fun and all, and like it was really fun to talk about. But there's still a lot of situations and you know, variations of the season where it's a very successful season without making the playoffs. And Absolutely. going ten and two, and even going nine and three, and still winning the ACC Coastal Division uh, are very successful se- seasons for any Pitt fan. You know, coming into the season, their win total was what? What seven? Right. So they win this game on Saturday against Duke, which I think everyone agrees is extremely uh, likely laying twenty-one points. Well, then you're seven and two. So you've hit the win total, and there's still three very winnable games remaining on the schedule. I don't know. It's hard as a fan. I almost don't even want to like. <laughs> I don't want to go too deep into. The, I just want to forget about the Miami game. Like, it's not even something that, you know, it's it's definitely not. It was cathartic after the Western Michigan game to kind of, you know, talk shit on Narduzzi and his staff. But it's not even cathartic to talk about it. it it's, it's just kind of like, put your head down, beat Duke, beat North Carolina, and hopefully we can still salvage this thing, you know? It, and it, it, I oh, feel like. The, the term salvage is you brought it up. I think I think the national media quickly, I mean, unsurprisingly, quickly got to, to pit fans. And, and I mean, having an article written about how Pitt is a playoff contender can can lead you to think in certain directions. Uh, at the at the end of the day, you know, you have you have two safeties who who are still I don't know. It, we could blame experience. I don't know. Van Dyke had a heck of a day. There, there's that is going to happen when you when you play the Narduzzi, uh, the defense that Narduzzi does. Um, to 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 kind of mope around um, at, at the prospect of of potentially, you know, all things going well, going ten and two in the ACC championship. I don't know. If you if you said that to me preseason, I I would be elated that this opportunity is even happening. So, it, if you know, it, and you, even laying out the scenario that you go two and one against Virginia Tech, Miami, and Clemson, you're very happy with that. And I think the fact that the loss came to a four and four Miami team who's resurgent um, and, and has a, a great quarterback on their hands, I, maybe it d- displeases Pitt fans and and maybe. It, it it is cathartic for those to say, well, Pitt just Pitt again, but that's not the case. Um, I I I'm not too surprised at the loss. There's still a lot to be played for. I mean, you can still there's every reason to be excited as a Pitt fan. 
New Year's Six is still on the table. So November should be a heck of a month if 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 they, you know, start to, you know, make more adjustments on the defense and, and, and at the end of the day, it just not it knocks down the margin of error greatly. You know, if they yeah, beat Miami, totally. the margin of error is still big. They're just making it less comfortable for themselves. You can even lose the Virginia and still make the still make the championship game if they win that game against Miami. Now that that's really, you know, you, that Virginia game is going to be pretty much a must win. Which, yeah. if you would have told Pitt fans coming into the season that if they beat Virginia, they win the Coastal, everyone would have been excited for that. But it's just a vast difference, which, you know, I don't think it's natural for anyone to be disappointed in that. And it's also natural considering everything we were saying about the contenders whenever Pitt still had a chance, all that is still true. There's still, you know, a lot of doors open for a lot of shit to happen. And, you know, there's a scenario where Cincinnati can make the playoff. There's a scenario where Oregon can make the playoff. There's a scenario where Alabama can make the playoff still. So, you know, it's obviously it sucks to be out of that. But, you know, you got to beat Duke and you got to beat North Carolina. And then everyone's going to be really, really excited for the Virginia game. So, yeah, still a lot to play for. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I think anything... I don't want to get too into this because it's a little into the weeds. And like you said, there's still a lot to be played for. And I definitely am just grateful that I think we still have that opportunity. But I do think there is something to be said. I think after all the hype that the Clemson game got, just because it was Clemson, to have that kind of letdown of, you know, look, this Miami team's four and four, but. Better offense than Clemson. The defense apparently showed up a little bit better. Um, I, I, it's just such a letdown. I, I don't want to say it was, you know, pity, but like those are the sorts of games that they just have shown they're not in the position to win often. Like I understand the optimism of being like, look, the goal of an ACC champion is still out there. But if you want to take that next step as a program, those are the types of games you have to win. And, and I think it's just as simple as that. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I just I, think it was it was disappointing that after all the hype that was the Clemson game, it just it it just leaves a bad taste. Sure. Um, I think I don't know how to put it better than that. Sure. My my perspective on it is a bit on the other side though, because if you would have told me and and there were questions about this defense coming into the preseason that, you know, without DeMar Hamlin, without Jalen Twyman, without Patrick Jones, without Rashad Weaver, this team would be the best team um in the coastal division. You know, that that is something that is would have been hard to believe at the time. So well, they might be, or they could lose to North Carolina and Virginia, and this season, you know, it could all go to shit. Still, I'm saying. That- I, I, I guess my point is, my point is to to the point about the defense. I don't put that game on the defense. This was the first. I mean, it's only the second loss, but this is the first game this season where I really look to the offense and say they didn't do enough. I look at Whipple and say, you know, what were those play calls? What was that? scheme and execution in the goal line the defense gave Pitt the ball back 
twice, really, when you think about the Patrician uh, interception, which was promptly given back to Miami. You think about the safety that wasn't a safety. Those are two times where Pitt's offense should have gotten the ball back with a chance to go ahead and, and take the lead after the way they came out defensively and a little bit offensively as well in the first quarter to have the opportunity to take the lead in that game and just say, no, just give it straight back to Miami. I think that's the frustrating part. I think I take issue in the fact that there's lamenting that, you know, they haven't taken the next step as a program. And I'd argue that the team initially was never, as far as players are concerned and in, 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 in the caliber of, of, of the defense and, and, and where Pitt's program was like, I don't think they were at the position where these wins and in, in an 11 and one season were really feasible. So the fact that 10 and two is still a likely scenario is a, a situation where this team's exceeding expectations, but due to, to, you know, how the season played out, people are looking for more. And I understand that, you know, right. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be upset, but I think it's should be noted that I think each, each uh, layer, e- each unit has, has their moments, um, has had their moments throughout the season where they have played well. Um, and it's extremely difficult at this level to put it all together. And I don't yeah. think you'll be able to do no, that with this pit, pit team quite yet, think- but they're still capable of pulling it together for an ACC championship. Uh, to 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 your first point there, that's the frustrating part to me is because, look, you have Jordan Addison, sure, you have Pickett who's playing great as a fifth year, but you're not going to have, you know, the same sorts of Brevin Jordans and Charleston Rambos and just quote-unquote athletes that everybody likes to point at to Miami. So to say that you didn't play your best football on defense in the first half, maybe you didn't play your best football on offense in the second half, but you still had two or three great chances to win that football game. And in all three situations, you know, in two, well, in two of the three situations, they couldn't execute themselves. And in the third situation, it was taken out of their hands by an absolute bullshit call. It's just frustrating. And I think that that's all it is, is it's frustrating. Yeah. It's, you know, slightly depressing. But as you say, as we've all said throughout this episode, there's, a lot to look forward to in the remainder of this season. Um, I, I would love to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. I, I would. You know, I didn't get the chance to go to the ACC championship game a couple of years ago. I didn't get the chance to even sniff a New Year's Six Bowl throughout our time at Pitt. I would, I would love that opportunity. And, I, and I'm not going to take that for granted. But it's just it's disappointing to think about um, – you know, I, I could give a shit about the play, really. I, I had zero expectations for Pitt, actually. I think it's just kind of ironically hilarious, a little bit of nihilistic, even, to kind of look at the fact that, you know, in the two weeks since ESPN has been, you know, hyping up Pickett as a Heisman candidate, hyping up Pitt as a potential. You know, they released that article two days before this game, and all of a sudden it all comes crashing down. There's definitely a sort of coincidental feel to that, sure. Um, but I, I could give a crap about the playoff. Just, just, just go win the ACC, go put yourself in a position to win a conference championship. That would be really special. And I think that's all I really have to say on that. I don't know. 
it's a lot of rambling from, from all of us. Hey, I think this therapy session has been good. I think all of our emotions it's always good to we talk have expressed about. have been very valid. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you for uh for for put for um what's the word? Thanks for listening. Guys. Listen, being Steven, a being a diehard being a diehard college football fan of any team that's not like Alabama hard, or man. Ohio State just sucks really bad. Like yeah. it's one of those things He's where you, it, you, it, you hate it so much, but you have to love it at the end of the day. But it's just, a, it's an impossible thing. And, you know, once every once in a while, that reality just kind of smacks you in, your, in the face and makes you take a little bit of a seat. Right. By the way, I think Pitt's going to cover this weekend easily. I could see, I could see it because Duke's not, Duke's not good. It could be a game where Duke just can't really muster much on offense, and you know Kenny should at least have some time to throw. So, I'm not going to lay twenty-one points because I just honestly don't give a fuck enough about that game. <laughs> like, just like I can't watch the game, and I really don't even care that I can't watch it. Like, just win and let's fucking move on. But yeah, it is what it is. Um. Any thoughts on uh, on transfer portal? Do we just not want to touch that? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 the only thing I would have to say about that is I feel like Wendell Davis definitely could have played next season a good bit, but Pitt has a lot of good linebacker depth, and I'm not too concerned, uh, you know, about being weak at the position. But you know, best of luck to Wendell Davis. Second. Yeah. Second, that that works. That works. Anything, anything final to touch on before we wrap up this week's episode of the Noon on Saturday podcast? Um, yes, tips are appreciated for all the listeners who are making boatloads of money off our picks. We've been really good this week. <laughs> tips, tips are appreciated. You can. Uh, th- there should be a way coming soon, at least, to uh, support this podcast through Anchor. You know, Twitter tips, I think it may be coming soon as well at 12 on Saturday or at noon on Saturday. Score. Who knows? Lots of exciting stuff to come. And who knows? Maybe we'll get it to, uh, maybe we'll get into some college basketball stuff soon. I don't know. A little bit of an exciting crossover month here coming up. Poor Nike Sabandi. I don't even want to think about it. We We don't need to get into that part. Because this is college football as it's meant to be for now. Alex, Steve, thanks for hanging out with us as always. To the listeners, thanks for uh, being part of this therapy session as well. Hope you enjoyed it. If you uh, want to vent, you can always, as we said, find us on Twitter or you know hit the comments, whatever. Leave a review and put your feelings out there. Who knows? Subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you got to do. This has been the Noon on Saturday podcast. College football as it's meant to be. We'll see you next time. That's a winner.